Swim Talkers and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week I chat to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. This week I'm joined by Californian master swimmer Lynn Fahey who is full of inspiration and excitement about her master's adventure. Let's hear from Lynn. Hi Lynn, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm such a big fan of the Swim Talk and I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's great. I'm really happy to be speaking to you. Where are you based in the US? So I live in Los Angeles, um, California, so Southern California. Um, But I grew up most of my life in Texas. Um, I grew up in the Houston area and I still, well, Pre-COVID, I would travel to Texas all the time. Now, of course, travel looks a little different, although I still am getting back as often as I can. And in fact, last year, I spent about 40% of the year in Texas and 60% of the year in California. So although I live and work in California, um, I travel a lot for my job and I travel a lot for my personal life. So uh, California and Texas are the two states I most identify with. Oh, wow. And are they similar or very different sort of mindsets? Mm, that's such a good question. You know, uh, I think ideologically, mindset-wise, they're very different places. Um, but I think there's actually a lot of similarities between Los Angeles and Houston in terms of sort of uh, urbanicity. Like uh, LA is very spread out. It's very sprawling. It's a very car and driving focused city. And that's true of Houston, too. Um, They're both very populous. They're very diverse. um, They're both really good food towns, which is great because I have a big appetite. Uh, So it, I mean, I've, I've been able to find some similarities that make LA feel a bit more like home, but yeah, I think, I think in terms of uh, culture, they're, they're very different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's from an outsider's perspective. That's why, what I sort of view them as. So that's the, yeah, that's really interesting to hear that. What part of LA are you in? So I live in West LA, um, Culver City, for anyone who uh, travels to Los Angeles and, and knows the area, um, not far from the, the beach and also uh, not far from the airport. Nice. Oh, very nice place to be. And when and where did you get your last swim in? So um, mere minutes ago, I emerged from the water uh, to, to join you on the podcast. Um, so today, um, and I was so excited to get it in. It's one of those things on, uh, you know, during the weekdays, I, I never know exactly when I'm going to be able to swim, but I always uh, try to be consistent, um, especially early in the week and get it done. And um, I'm really fortunate. I'm a, a university professor. That's what I do for work. And we have a, a school, uh, a pool rather at my school. So um, I can swim uh oftentimes before I teach my classes or sometimes after if I'm really running a bit late uh, and then go about my day. Yeah. Do you do you do most of your swimming um, solo or do you train with a squad or master's club? So I do a lot of my swims on my own. Um, I, I am a part of a team. Um, so I swim with a group, um, Southern California Aquatics or SCAC, we call ourselves. Yep. Um, and, uh, I make it to a few workouts a week with the group. We're a huge team though. I mean, I, would have to Google it to be sure that this is true, but I think we may be the largest masters swim team in the U S or something like that. So we have a number of pools all over the, the greater Los Angeles area that we practice out of, but one of them is the city pool in my neighborhood. So, uh, it was very convenient for me. And when I was first, um, dipping my toe back into swimming, if you'll forgive the pun. Uh, 
going to a master swim workout and swimming with other people was a big goal for me. So I accomplished that in um, August of 2021. Um, and, and since then I've been going with the group a couple of times a week, but it's tough. I, I have another um, job outside of my teaching. I, I consult. And so I travel a lot with my consulting practice all over the country. Um, and oftentimes I'm swimming at whatever pool may be open in the city that I'm in. And sometimes it's a very small pool in my hotel or an unusually shaped one. Uh, so I tend to do a lot of my workouts by myself so that I can make sure that I'm getting done what I want to do um, on my own time. And it's, um, it's also a little bit less expensive for me to swim at um, the, the school, the, the pool school, the pool school, the school pool. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because I can, I have access to it as part of my job and it, um, I've got to pay for workout with the master's group. So trying to be a bit budget conscious there too. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a really interesting perspective. And when you're traveling and having to find yourself in a hotel pool, do you swim off a tether or do you just do small short laps? A bit of both, uh, depending on the pool. Yep. So um, I'll bring a tether if I know it's going to be a particularly small pool. And um, I've actually modified the tether that I have. I've gotten a dog leash just from a local store so that I have a bit more extension and I can vary the speeds. I've found that's easier on my shoulders um, when I'm swimming with a tether than just going against the stretch cord the whole time. Uh, sometimes I'll do some silly sets. Like I may try to hold my breath down and back three times underwater or just work on a breaststroke pullout, which I'm possibly the world's least accomplished breaststroker. So, uh, that's always, a that's always a challenge for me just to make it across even a small pool. Um, I've tried to find hotels if, and when I can that have a lap lane so that I can truly do what I want to do. And I've even, uh, joined if I know there's a place where I'll be traveling frequently enough during the quarter or the the um, year, I'll join a local YMCA or something like that and make use of uh, their their pool. Uh, so I'll I'll do a little bit of everything, whatever it takes to sort of keep myself consistent. And um, I don't I don't really have a plan. The plan is to just try to get wet as often as I can. <laughs> that sounds good it's a nice plan because not only does that keep you fit and back in the water it's great for mental health as well isn't it oh it is that's the thing I you know I swam when I was young and I'm back now whatever it means to be back and I thought that it was going to be physical that I would have to you know lift the weights and work so hard and eat the grilled chicken um but it's it's really it's more psychological than I remember it's it's all about the mental and um, it can be hard work mentally swimming and doing the workouts, but the, the benefits you get from it, I, there's nothing compares. Nothing compares. Nothing. Yeah. I think there's never a bad workout. There's never a bad swim. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Even sometimes the ones that uh, you're, you're flustered that you didn't make the interval you wanted, or, you know, maybe your muscles feel tired or, or something. Um, sometimes those are the most rewarding. You leave the pool with just this sense of joy. Yeah. And I know you just mentioned um, being a swimmer when you were younger. Tell, tell us about that. How did you get into swimming and what level did you get, at, get up to when you were younger? Yeah. So um, I started swimming um, when I was very young. Uh, I think I learned to swim when I was about three or so. I was living in Canada with my family and my mom just took my sister and I to the local 
you know, community rec pool and taught us to swim, I think just so we would feel comfortable in the water. Um, and I loved it. I, I loved it ever since I started racing. We'd moved to Texas by the time I was five. And um, so back in the US and uh, I swam on a summer team when I was uh, five, six, seven years old every summer. And I started swimming year round around probably the sixth grade. I was 12 years old. And that's when I think I got uh, serious about swimming, as serious as you can be about anything when you're 12 years old. And I, I would swim every day after school and I would go to competitions and I, I would, uh, you know, in the summers you would go to maybe a, a university and go to a swim camp and the college students would teach you stroke technique. And it was this wonderful experience. And I, I really loved it uh, until I sort of felt a bit out of place, I suppose. Um, I don't really know the answer to the question what level did I get to? Um, maybe, uh, maybe almost very fast would, would be the answer. Uh, I, I was fast enough to be recruited by division one teams in the, in the U S but not any of the big schools, uh, smaller D one programs, or I was fast enough to set, uh, state records, um, but only as part of a relay or uh, uh, fast enough to make um, like a, a state level championship time, but just sort of missing something like a sectionals, which is kind of a big, a big thing. Um, but, but nearly there, nearly there, hundredths or tenths away. Um, and I, I swam mostly freestyle events. I, I, anything from the 50 to 1650, um, or I guess 1500 in, in meters, um, was sort of my favorite thing. And if I had to swim a stroke, it would be butterfly, maybe backstroke too. Again, anything but breaststroke for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I admire breaststrokers. I like their strength and the, and the, how they do it. I just, it'll never be me. And I've made my peace with that. Um, <laughs> even now it's just, it's a struggle to the end, but uh, it's, it's beautiful to watch people who know how to do it. Um, and I, I swam for a semester, almost a semester of college. And that was sort of when I, I don't know if fell out of love with swimming is the right way to put it, but um, I really liked college. I, I loved the university experience. I was so excited about studying. I kind of found my inner nerd and I really wanted to be in the library all the time and at office hours and meeting with the professors and doing research. And it just interested me so much. And I found that there weren't enough hours in the day to take the classes I wanted to take, study as rigorously as I wanted to study, get involved in the academic life on campus, do leadership things on campus and swim. And I'd gotten, I'd gotten sick. Um, all of my roommates and I caught mono and oh, right. A, a classic, uh, <laughs> university tale. Right. And so I'd had a, a week or two where I wasn't able to go to swim practice. And even though I was feeling better, I still was not allowed to go, um, lest I get anyone else sick. And that was the week that I had time to study the way I wanted to. And I just loved it. And I, it was a difficult decision for me because swimming had been my identity since I was a very young kid. Um, but it sort of felt like the right thing to just leave. And at the time, I think I, I believed this narrative that I now know isn't true, but I believed that there were only sort of two things. There was swimming or not swimming. 
You could, you could do the intense, you know, full-time job of swimming and the weightlifting and the nutrition and constant focus. Or if you didn't do that, you weren't a swimmer anymore. And so from that day on, I, I wasn't a swimmer anymore. Maybe every once in a while I might suit up and swim a lap or two, but I really just restricted myself to doing other things. And, um, I, I did stay really serious about my academics. I, I, uh, went on to get a master's and then a PhD. And like I said, I'm a university professor now, so I still study and do research every day and I love it, but, um, I've found that now I have the time or maybe the, I don't know, the, the time management skills maybe to, to do a little bit of both. And it was in the, the sort of height of the, the pandemic. Um, once restrictions began to ease a bit where I lived, the only thing open was the city pool. It was this huge outdoor pool and they were doing one swimmer per lane, only 40 minute swim sessions and you had to line up and have your temperature taken and, and go in. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go do that. No time like now to get the lungs a pumping. And it was uh, humbling. I, in that 40 minutes, I couldn't swim a thousand yards, uh, which would have been laughable to 18 year old Lynn. But over the weeks, I, I was sometimes lucky enough to win the lottery and get three swims a week at 40 minutes each. And so I would do that and um, try to work it around my zoom calls for my various jobs. And, um, over time, I've I've built it up, and today I swam fifty eight hundred yards, and it was a, an easy practice for me. Wow! Yeah, that's a wonderful journey. Um, I love the fact that you've you've found your rediscovered your love for swimming, because I think a lot of sort of um, teenage or age group swimmers have that same kind of story, and um, get to college or maybe even swim through college and then it ends and you don't you're right you don't know what you can do with your swimming because it was so intense and there's no other option there and that's why it's great to to rediscover it and sort of get into that master swimming world which is as you say you can make it anything you want exactly exactly and yeah it's amazing I mean there's there's so much more than just dropping time and there's that too there are, there are master swimmers and, and, you know, I think I'm among them now that are looking to drop time or, or meet time standards or uh, set records or win medals. But there's also amazing master swimmers that are doing fun and funky things like swimming the mile butterfly in a competition or just trying to swim every event in each age group um, before they age up or, uh, you know, traveling with friends they haven't seen in, in uh, 20 years or more and just being together at competitions or having an excuse to see the world. And there's, it's neat to think about other goals you can have besides just being hard on yourself and, and dropping those tents. Um, although, I mean, again, I'm, I'm still interested in dropping time. And yeah. that's been maybe one of the fun things about being a newbie master's swimmer is that it's easy for me to drop time now because I haven't been doing it very long. So I sort of set the bar and then I can, I can continue meeting it. And I feel very much like I did when I was in sixth grade and I was getting into it and it was, it was still all very new and, and it is new. There's, there's new ways to do turns. Now the starts are different. The blocks have these little uh, vented angles on the back of them that I don't remember being there. 
uh, the tech suit. I mean, all of these things are very different than I remember from, from my day. So I really am in some ways learning a lot of new technique and there's new philosophies of training. And, and I think even being a, an older swimmer, I'm not even really that old, but uh, there's different things I have to do for myself. I, when I was a kid, I didn't have to, you know, you eat candy and you drink a soda and you swim a race and you drop time. And now it's like, if I don't drink a glass of water every morning, I'm I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I love hearing the excitement in your voice about it. Since you've been back in the water swimming again, have you done any, um, competed in any competitions? I've done uh, two so far. So I wanted the first meet I did, you know, it would be the first meet I was doing in 14 years, which felt, I don't know, dramatic to me at the moment. So I wanted it to be at a pool that had some gravitas. So I found a competition that was hosted, um, a master's competition hosted at Arizona State University. And I thought, oh, good, it'll be a, you know, this beautiful pool. And I got there and it just blew me away with how beautiful it really was. And it was, it was the best entry into master swimming, I think I could have hoped for. There were, you know, 90 year olds diving in off the blocks, but then also Olympic champion Ryan Held was there competing. Um, It was just this mishmash of, of everybody who loves swimming. And um, although I was a bit nervous that this would be my first competition in quite a while, um, the sort of, I don't want to say post pandemic, but whatever it is that we're in now era, um, nobody had swam in a few years in a competition. So I wasn't alone in feeling a bit nervous getting up there. Uh, so it was, it was good. It was a short course meters uh, pool, which was also nice because, um, you know, growing up and swimming in the US, I really only remember my times in short course yards. So it felt nice to not be racing old Lynn. I was racing a Lynn that didn't know what these times were even about. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, my husband came to support me and he was there in full camera geek mode, strapped in with a camera backpack and just documenting every race. And uh, I did one other competition uh, locally here. They, they called it the pentathlon. It was, the format was a hoot. I don't know if this is a common format or not, but you have to do all 50s of every stroke and then also the 100 IM. And the swimmer in your age group with the lowest total combined time wins. And again, the breaststroke, woof, it got me, it got me, but I, I did well. I got second overall in my age group and, and felt so excited just to meet other local master swimmers from different teams and, and have a bit of fun. And I'm, I'm hoping to do one more competition this spring in Texas, of course. So um, I'm looking forward to that. We'll see if maybe I can uh, drop some time from the, it'll be yards, but from the converted times of what I did at Arizona State. Yeah. And is there, is US Spring Nationals coming up? Will you go along to them? Oh, gee. So I, I don't, I don't plan to. Um, I thought about it. And I think initially it was a, it was a goal for me to sort of make the time standards. And I, I made them at that first meet in all my events. I swam at Arizona State, which was great. And, a, you know, a nice little ego boost to feel like, oh, good, I've made I've made the times. Um, but the timing of the meet just isn't it's not great for my my work life and my personal life. So there's a different meet that's in Houston, my hometown, 
um, a couple of weeks earlier. And I think I'm going to do that and see if I can't uh, corral my family to my in-laws and my parents and my sister to come go to a swim meet all day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they'd love to love to support you. (laughs) I think it'll be a lot of fun. So how far do you tend to swim in your workouts these days when you're swimming by yourself? Yeah, there's been a lot of variability. Um, I think if you would have caught me, you know, if we had this conversation 100 days ago, it would have been very different. Maybe 100 days from now, it'll be different still. Um, you know, initially, I could barely get get by, right? Whatever I could do to fill those, those, uh, those fateful 40 minutes. And now I have more unrestricted time. I'm not limited to the 40 minute sessions. And also my body can handle a bit more. So I've been kind of upping my game a little bit every couple of weeks, I'll add on a few hundred yards to my sort of average. Um, I'm swimming between like 5,000 and 5,800 yards, um, about six days a week now. Right. Oh, that's great. And are you, are you um, doing any, any strength training at all or just the, just the pool? So I, I've been inspired by your podcast to start some strength training because it seems like guest after guest that you have on keeps saying the secret sauce is their strength training. Um, so I've, you know, I, I'll, I'll listen to the podcast and I'll try to do, you know, 25 crunches or a, a push up or something like that. It's hard for me because I don't have a lot of sort of mental motivation to push myself outside of staring at the black line. For some reason, it's just yeah. so much harder for me. I, think, um, I, I don't know if you experience that too. I do. I do. And I, I always, I, with my strength training, when I, when I do it and I finish it, I think that's great. But I always have this little sort of seed of guilt in me that I'm not doing it as it's not a cardio activity. And I always feel that a workout <laughs> has yes. to be cardio. And I know I need to get out of that mindset, but I find it very, very hard Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm trapped in the same way of thinking. And it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a heart rate junkie, right? I want to, I want to feel that I've, I've done something and even swim workouts where I'm trying to do more of a recovery or, you know, my, I just need to stretch out and swim out. I almost feel like they don't quote count, uh, but, but they do. And I'm, I'm trying to, to get past that, you know, I, we're our own worst enemy. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do, to do a bit and I'm, I'm learning. One of the things that is funny about all of this is even though I was a fairly experienced swimmer, when I retired, I didn't ever really have ownership in my training plan. I just sort of did what the coach said. And so now that I'm essentially a self-coached swimmer, trying to, yeah, you know, perhaps beat some lifetime best times here in a minute. Um, uh, I don't, I'm building the plane as I fly it. I have no idea if what I'm doing is correct or if there even is a correct. Uh, There are people that have had success doing this so many different ways. Uh, And for some people, you'll hear them, it's all about the dry land and minimal swimming and others are you know, very traditional. It's about the long yards and you, you've got to do it. There is no garbage yardage. It all matters. And I'm just going to see what happens in April at my meet. And if I'm, uh, if I swim faster than I swam in November, then I'll know that what I've done between November and April worked. And if I don't, then perhaps it didn't. And I'll change it up maybe either way. Uh, but I have, I have no idea if I should be resting before the meet or if I should stop doing my 
my sad little crunches? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want to um, sort of accomplish from your return to the pool? Have you got a sort of a goal, uh, a goal down the line? Or is it mm. neck to meat that you're thinking at the moment? Yeah, I have so many goals, um, some of which I feel like I've already accomplished and I just need to maintain, and others which are so many years off. Um, I, I think that although this sounds a bit silly to say, um, my goal was sort of to take back control of my happiness and have a life that I'm joyful about. And perhaps it's because those first few sessions were, you know, you, you literally had to win a community lottery to get slots to swim at the pool. And so each time I got it, I was so excited. And it was this contrast, this stark contrast from the drudgery that I remember my last few months that I had been swimming where I was, so all I wanted to do was, uh, you know, hang out with my friends or, or study for my big test. And I had to go to swim practice and I was dragging my feet and now it's, it's joyful and it's wonderful to have cultivated this lifestyle that I feel happy about and excited about every day. And that's maybe the highest goal I could ever achieve. And I want to just maintain that for the rest of my life. I'm also tremendously inspired by all of the master swimmers who are in age groups older than me that are balancing these incredible training plans uh, that are much more rigorous than anything I can physically do at the moment and are loving it as well. So I, I guess just having this lifelong journey of swimming and, and improving my, my fitness, my, my whole life. Uh, and I guess maybe a bit more, you know, see now I sound like I am from California. This is all a little woo woo, but I, I think time-wise, I'd set out to swim a meet and then swim a second meet and improve my times from that. And now I think I'm setting the bar a bit higher for myself. I'm going to swim lifetime best times in all my events. I, I can do it. it. People have done it. I've heard them on your podcast. Yes. So I, why not me? That's right. So I'm going to do it. I don't know how long it'll take me. Um, I imagine a while longer. I don't think my next meet will be the meet, but it'll happen soon. I'll, I'll keep you posted. But yeah, that's it. I'm going to swim lifetime best times. I love that answer. I love it. It's, it's great. And I can just tell by talking to you, you have so much excitement and it makes you so happy. And I think that that's, that's just the joy of swimming to me. And that's what I love talking about with people on the podcast, just what their personal relationship is to the water and that kind of sense of joy that it brings them. Yes, yes. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm certain there must be swimmers at all levels that, that have this, but it's ubiquitous in the master's community. I agree. Uh, nobody's making you go, no. right? You, you chose this, you willfully are here before or after work or on your lunch break or whatever it is. And it's your favorite part of the day. And we all have that it, when, you know, when you're young or, or even when you're, you know, an elite swimmer and you have a sponsor who's flying you across the world to swim, it's your job. Um, but this is your joy away from your job in many ways. And that that's uh, just incredibly fun. Yeah. I think more people need to come and drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yes. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. 
I think, um, you know, you've got huge numbers of master swimmers in the US. I think it's something like 60,000 plus registered swimmers. So, and we've got, um, you know, per capita sort of similar numbers, but it is a huge movement around the world. And people, when you travel, I've been to one or two sort of international meets and, and people are still the same. Even if there's a language barrier, they are so happy to be there and, you know, loving racing, loving the community. And it is a very supportive community, the master swimming community. Yes, I, I found that too, even in my short time being a part of it, that everybody's happy for each other for hitting their goals, whatever those goals may be. And those goals may simply be showing up. They may be improving technique, improving time. Um, even on my own team that I'm a part of, it's all levels. There are people um, that come to our workouts that are first time swimmers, beginning swimmers. And then there are also people that have been to the highest levels of swimming. It's, it's truly all levels. And there's a ton of beauty in that. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I think you and I sound like we're both master swimming devotees. <laughs> oh, yes. 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 Well, and that's, I mean, not to fangirl too much, but that's one of the reasons I love your pod so much is that there's, um, there's a real dearth of swimming media that's, that's dedicated to the unique master's community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I started the podcast during um, COVID when I was doing a lot of walking because that's all I could do. And I was listening to trying to find swimming podcasts. And I was listening to Brett Hawke's one, which is obviously very popular, but he speaks to all the world champions and Olympians. And I thought after a while, I love this, but I want to hear from people my age and my you know, master swimmers and what are they doing? Because they've got great stories too. Because like you, I'm at a club and we've got world champions who are in their late 80s and they're so inspirational. And then we've also got younger, younger swimmers who have just finished school and are swimming with us as well. And they're super fast. Um, but it, it's just lovely. And the, the fact that all of those people can be there and meet for a coffee afterwards and have something to chat about because they have that mutual love of swimming. Yes. I think it's a lovely, a lovely community. And, you know, I haven't really been immersed in many other sports communities. So perhaps I'm speaking out of turn here, but I'm not aware of any other sports that, that have this, where people are just sort of lifelong, all levels, but, but tremendously passionate about it. It's very cool. Yeah, it is cool. And speaking of things that are cool, I'm a big follower of your Instagram page, which I love. Oh, the name of, I love the name of it, Social Influence. It's it's cool. What made you come up with the idea to document your master swimming journey? Well, I think part of it was because I began this journey alone um, and and completely isolated. I hadn't, you know convinced myself to join a team yet. And I was just sort of swimming laps to see if I could still do it. And I thought one day, I wonder if I'm even doing this right. If my technique even still looks right. And I don't want to practice all these hours that I'll do over various 40 minute sessions <laughs> and, and do it wrong. So I thought I'll bring my phone and I just took my, my camera phone and I put Velcro on the back of it and then Velcroed it to the side of my water bottle so that it would line up and I could see myself sort of going back and forth down the pool. 
And eventually I graduated to an underwater camera and, and just began um, documenting more of my technique for myself. And I thought, well, perhaps I'll share a little bit of it. I mean, who, who would care, but it'll be good for me to kind of memorialize that I've done it. And in the process, a lot of, um, you know, you being one of them and, and numerous other people as well, um, the swimmers from across the world have become sort of my virtual teammates on Instagram. And I see their workout progress or they'll, they'll share what they're up to and I'll share things and we can all sort of support each other. And it's, it's remarkable because I have a team in California, but I swim alone a lot. And so feeling like somebody else has witnessed that I did it makes me more likely to go do it, especially on the days where I'm busy. And I just, I just don't know if I can fit it in. Um, it keeps me a bit accountable and it's, it's just sort of fun to be a part of the group. And it's been nice to learn a little bit of, uh, photography skills. I don't really fancy myself a photographer, but it's nice to try to get some underwater shots and see if I can, uh, compose the photo in a way that captures kind of the essence of what I was working on that day. Yeah, no, you've got some lovely shots on there. I particularly like the series you're doing at the moment, sort of in tribute to um, female swimmers that have inspired you. What made you come up with that idea? Oh, thank you so much. It, it, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, so there, there were kind of numerous things that came together to make the series uh, crystallize in my mind. One of them, I mentioned uh, my husband has been sort of supporting my swim journey and he has two hobbies that are really handy for a swimmer. The first is he's a photographer and the second is he's an excellent cook. And so he's been uh, sort of feeding me as my appetite has increased and helping take pictures, especially at those competitions that I've been to and has really enjoyed having a reason to get out and take some sports photography. And so we, I was thinking about different uh, things we could do together that I could be swimming and that he could be helping me uh, get some interesting shots. And then with, with Women's History Month coming up and um, a lot of the things I've been thinking through about how these Instagram people really are my virtual teammates, why not um, broaden my, my virtual teammate library to people that are, um, some, some of whom are historic and no longer alive and others of whom just live in other parts of the country or other parts of the world that I don't know, but I know through their stories and, and uh, bring that inspiration to other people. So I've, we've been trying to get sort of shot for shot uh, reenactments of kind of iconic photos of these ladies. And then I've done my research on sort of highlights of their career or their accomplishments. And most of them are people that uh, maybe I've read an interview with them and um, kept the clipping of that in my sort of swim journal uh, to inspire me. And if I'm feeling a bit down one day, I might read it and go through it. So uh, there are people who, who I think about often. Yeah, I, I love that. That's really good. Well, they're very, very inspirational. I particularly like the, um, the black and white shot of the, um, I can't remember her name, the first one that you, you put up. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the 1926 Channel Crossing. Um, yeah. And I'm not really an open water swimmer. Um, but Gertrude's story um, really strikes me because there's so much of, about her that's really pioneering. I mean, from, from the costume she created to the training she did and uh, being, being so brave to get out in the open water, I, um, I struggle to put my face in. I'm hoping this summer I might get a bit, a bit more brave with open water, but uh, that remains to be seen. So she <laughs> particularly inspires me. <laughs> yeah, I, I do a little bit of open water over the, um, the summer break, but I do prefer the pool. 
Um, and when pools were closed in, in Melbourne where I live, we did a bit of swimming during winter in the um in the bay port phillip bay which was nine degrees which was oh my gosh oh it was cold but yeah we we made sure we thermaled up with caps and gloves and booties and wetsuits but it was really cold oh but, i'm cold just thinking about it <laughs> we must have been crazy <laughs> but you know when you when you need to go for a swim you need to go for a swim isn't that the truth that's true <laughs> um everyone that comes on the podcast i love to ask the fast five so just the first answer that pops into your mind and okay. uh, not too onerous, um, your favourite pool that you've ever swam at? This is a tough one because there's so many, um, but there's there's one that's very top of mind right now, um, and it's the, the competition pool at Texas A&M University. Uh, the, the facility is beautiful. It's a fast pool, which swimmers know what that means. Um, I have so many wonderful memories of swimming there at competitions when I was a kid. And, um, and, and recently you had a guest on the podcast. Um, oh gosh, I can't think of his last name. The Fike swim guy. Oh, James. James Fike. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I had been thinking about that pool and how much I wanted to swim there. And then I'd seen on social media, he just did a competition there. And I thought, well, that's inspiring. He's swimming best times and he's at that pool. I want to swim best times. Maybe I got to go to that pool. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a great pool. <laughs> um, do you enjoy kick or pool better? Oh, kick. Yes. Kick, 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 kick. I love to kick and I, um, I love to listen to music over a speaker and you can hear it better when you're on a kickboard. So that's, that's the funnest. Yeah, definitely kick. What is your favorite pre-race meal or pre-training meal? Well, um, probably pasta. I love to, um, before my last couple of competitions, I've tried to have pasta the night before. Um, I think that's probably more psychological than anything. Um, I just like it. Um, before I'm swimming each day, I usually, um, I don't really like to eat before practice. So I've been making myself try to have like a, a smoothie, something that I feel like is going to give me a little bit of quick energy, but doesn't feel like I'm having to go through and eat a meal. And then I have a big uh, lunch when I get done swimming. Yeah. What do you put in your smoothie? What's your secret ingredient? Uh, well, I vary it. Um, I actually, it's funny. I have an allergy to tree nuts. So I use peanut butter since um, I can have peanut butter. And then usually just whatever fruit and berries I have on hand, um, some bananas, um, and then uh, maybe some greens if I'm feeling a little brave. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds nice. What about your favorite stroke? I think you mentioned that earlier. Oh, it's freestyle. It's totally freestyle. And whether it's a sprint or a long distance, there's just something about it. I feel, um, I feel really strong. It's, it just, it's just fun for me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Freestyle, great stroke. And what's your favorite go-to training set? Well, I like to do, um, I guess what I would call repeat 100s. I think it's because it's a sort of measuring stick for me and I get, uh, some nerdy satisfaction about knowing where I am. And I like to keep a lot of like data and statistics on my swimming. Maybe that's the professor in me. So um, I'll like to do, you know, uh, five 100s or four 100s or three 100s or two 100s, however many I can do um, on whatever the new fastest interval for me is. So that's been changing over the last couple of weeks. I'm now at the point where I can swim two repetitions of a 100 yard freestyle on a minute and 15 seconds, which 
perhaps a small potatoes for others, but it's been hard fought for me. So I'm very excited about that. Um, 120 used to be really hard for me and now 120 is easy speed. So I'm excited to see if I can turn 115 into easy speed and then set my sights on the next, the next level down. Oh, that's great. It's good that you're seeing improvement too, because I think that obviously inspires you to keep going. Oh, totally. Totally. You need those little, uh, those little signs that it's working. Yeah, absolutely. Lynn, it's been lovely catching up with you today and connecting on the podcast and really, really thank you for sharing your swimming journey and um, you're inspiring me just with your excitement. Oh, shucks. I Truly, I'm so honoured to be included. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Take care and hopefully if I make it to the States one day, I'll uh, do a training session with you. Oh, certainly. I'd love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, then. Take care. Take care, Mark. Thanks for listening into the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from social influence Lynn Fahey. You can look up Lynn and connect with her via her Instagram handle. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Torpedo Swim Talk on your favorite podcast platform. Then you won't miss any of the podcasts or TST Quick Splash news updates. Look out on our socials for our collab with Dana from DKB Transformation Pilates. We're going to bring you lots of swimming specific ideas for your dry land. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.